Hello, everybody. Welcome to the AI Weekly Podcast. I'm Kingston Randy Sorza, and I'm here with my co-host, Ludi Wang. Today, we've got a lot of interesting stories lined up that we're here to talk about, including uh, Codex by OpenAI, uh, Tesla's AI robot, and the DeepMind protein encoding AI. Um, all of them really interesting developments that have occurred recently, and we can't wait to discuss them. This week's first topic is about OpenAI's Codex. This is a new tool that is basically a tool for developers and anyone to use so that when they input an image or text, it will translate to 14 languages, uh, including Python, JavaScript, and most used languages out there currently for developments. What this tool does is it has the potential to revolutionize uh, the way that uh, people code. Um, so. Uh, at the moment, uh, a lot of code is either written from scratch or taken from existing code bases or um, stack overflows, a, a very uh, common place that people take their code from. But what uh, this uh, tool would allow you to do is simply write what you need to be done and uh, it will do it for you. So, for example, you might say, I uh, want a website which has uh, a nav bar, uh, an about me section which says the following and uh, a, a brief uh, contact page. And uh, this AI, in theory, would be able to replicate that entire website that you've described as your instructions have specified it. Um, and uh, as you can see, there is an incredible potential uh, for this AI in various applications. Um, and uh, a lot of implications uh, may arise from uh, this technology if it proves to be successful. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really cool because, um, you know, the basic tasks of kind of figuring out how code should work, you know, how you map the code and what specific uh, coding, you know, parts you should use and, uh, you know, mapping libraries to existing ones and doing all the kind of the boring parts and the laborious parts would be eliminated with with this new codex program uh, and I also think it's really helpful to people who are new to code and or you know trying to develop some kind of uh, medium or you know difficult program and they're trying to build something like a website or an app and uh, requires a lot of knowledge a lot of work and um, you know it could reduce a lot of time as well as the cost that may go into producing something like that. So it's really an overall helpful tool for developers, for people who want to build something uh, in the tech world. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with uh, regards to the uh, increased efficiency of uh, programming. It really, a lot of the mundane or uh, uh, easy tasks uh, could be uh, almost uh, instantly performed by this tool um, uh, and uh, it would be a real game changer for small businesses and for startups and uh, for uh, people who, or just people who want to create a website um, for whatever reason. Uh, uh, tools like WordPress exist currently but even they require a certain level of uh, uh, knowledge to operate and also they take time as well to get the settings exactly how you'd like it. With a tool like this, it's as simple as typing it in, like a, like a Google search almost. But instead mm -hmm. of getting a, a, a search results, you're getting a, 
um, a website built for you. And uh, and I think that's the real the real. I think at the moment uh, it seems like it will be only an asset to programmers rather than uh, a negative. Uh, but I think if you're looking at it perhaps in ten years or fifteen years and the natural progression of this technology, this could have serious implications for software engineering, software development, and uh, what might happen because with efficiency comes uh, uh, less of a need for uh, human presence. And potentially if this software is very, very good, it could uh, eliminate the need for an intermediary uh, to build a website entirely. Um, What do you think about that? Yeah, that's true. I mean, kind of like you look at a lot of, um, you know, currently it's kind of like a lot of software developers are walking off their jobs to do freelance work. And I think like one of the hardest hit, you know, potentially industries would be like, you know, Wix developers or WordPress developers or like, you know, freelance developers who do kind of the medium low level code and developing for websites or apps. And I, I think like that industry would soon not really exist. And, you know, freelancing would be really uh, top notch and, you know, kind of top of the line code difficulty, you know, something that Codex couldn't do. Yeah. Uh, so that is one of the potential drawbacks of this technology is for, uh, is that it doesn't prioritize uh, efficiency or memory. Um, so, uh the yeah. time complexity, for example, of a method which is programmed or an algorithm um, programmed by Codex uh, might exceed the specified limits um, by the uh, required for the task, um, or as well the memory um, limit might be exceeded um, because that's not because it because the software doesn't know what it's doing. It is essentially predictive text at this point in time, and in order to uh, really change programming in a very significant way, more significant than what we've described, it would have to really be able to factor in time complexity and uh, uh, memory efficiency and uh, similar concepts and space complexity. And uh, and because a lot of tasks, particularly in the financial world, um, uh, require very fast processing speeds um, and uh, in order to keep up with real-time data updates and also uh, require um, a very, uh, to be memory, as memory efficient as possible. Um, and uh, I, I think there are potential doubts for whether this tool would be able to um, to meet those expectations. So I don't anticipate it will have much of an impact at this stage on uh, programmers working with uh, with finance or, um, low-level systems uh, or any sort of system which requires consideration for time complexity and memory which is most uh, most systems but I think particularly with just development of simple websites or simple programming tasks or perhaps mundane programming tasks um, this could be a game changer um, and an asset to programmers yeah yeah I mean, I, you know I think it's like the one thing about AI that we see in the past 20 years is that it's basically all machine learning and, you know, the really innovative tools that we see and, you know, are revolutionary are basically like, you know, you think of something that's, 
you know, a really cool idea, and then you tweak it. But the underlying technology is all the same. And so unless there's, like, something that completely changes the way AI is developed and, uh, you know, it's kind of worked out upon, like, with neural networks and such, unless that kind of, you know, really changes, I think it's not something that would completely uh, revamp the entire, you know, software world. But I also think, you know, it's positive because, you know, this could be an automatic uh, teaching tool to students and developers, you know, like if you want to learn another language um, that you already know, for example, you know, let's say you already know Python, if you want to turn it into like JavaScript using the same, you know, kind of text or image that you produce, that's really helpful. And you can also, you know, use it for explaining, for refactoring, all of that. I think it's a really great educational tool uh, rather than you know, a threat to, you know, industry so far. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think though about the potential security issues? So, um, uh, this code is being essentially predictive text, um, mm -hmm. might create new, uh, uh, security concerns with regards to, um, the text, uh, people being able to use the same technology and replicate the same code um, uh, that a particular company might be using this technology for and then having access to that source code, they can find holes and uh, problems with it. Um, another potential security concern could be uh, with regards to um, the, uh, the code itself or the software itself not prioritizing security when writing code. And if it's being used by perhaps a novice programmer or someone who uh, has doesn't have experience with um, software development, uh, then uh, that um, that code, which is not being written with security in mind, might make this new website vulnerable, and uh, they potentially lose uh, money, more money than they would have uh, gained. Uh, more money than they would have lost otherwise uh, had they not gone ahead with uh, this uh, technology and instead used a, perhaps a freelance uh, developer. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, that's a, an issue that will be, like, upfront, like, right now, um, you know, there's a lot of ransom hacking that's happening all over the place. It's always this issue. I think, like, encryption and cybersecurity and customized services will do it. Um, what, what do you think about that? Like customized services or encryption or higher levels of cybersecurity development? Yeah, so I think essentially um, you would still have to go through all of the uh, proper channels when programming a software which is secure and which is uh, with encryption, etc., um, so I, I don't think this tool alone would be enough to replace yeah. uh, programmers and uh, and especially not security uh, professionals because they would still need, uh, it would be naive to assume that the tool uh, can cover every security aspect right. required and uh, it would, uh, and therefore there is still a need in that area. Um, and but in the future, potentially, um, 
I imagine that that's something that OpenAI is looking at, the security aspect and making it, uh, figuring out ways of making the software or the technology more more secure. Um, and uh, uh, leading on from this point about being able to replicate code, um, another concern I've seen um, on this particular uh, topic and something that jumped out to me as well is the potential for copied code and the lawsuits and legal issues which arise from that um what do you think about that hurdle like yeah is that uh potentially something which might stop this software becoming mainstream or used in a uh in industry um potentially because of legal issues yeah i, I think it's like you know like open source code that you have right now on github for example like how much of code do you you know want to say like you know make available to everyone who uses your service and i think it has to go to like customized service for example um it's a lot of i think this service it's like you know it has to be limited in use ai is dangerous because uh not because of the technology itself but because like how it you how it's used and uh how you have to be aware of like the the use on mass and you know if it's used on mass then it's really easy to replicate you know with security you know with patents and um so i think like the solution is like you know you have to find a customized service for each individual company um you know to maybe like block off some features so like people wouldn't be able to you know replicate that code and I think it would be limiting in innovation in some terms, but um, until like there's a better way to prevent these things from happening, I think you know that's the only solution right now, or as we see it. Yes. Yeah. So um, before we move on to our next story, I'm just uh, wondering: is do you have anything more you'd like to add or say? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think like that's it. But like you know, it's. I think with every single uh, new technology, there's always room for innovation and it kind of leaves us more time and space to think and create more and, you know, cooler things and things that would uh, bring us farther into the future. Yeah. um, And uh, I think one thing that I'd like to add is that um, at the moment, I think that this has no chance of, replacing programmers um but yeah. the in the long term i think uh we're in trouble <laughs> yeah but uh short term yeah wise, we're we'll, fine. we'll see yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens all right so second topic of today and this week is uh, tesla ai day recently they've announced three main new features uh most importantly the first one is their hardcore and their new artificial intelligence chip, which would be essentially the fastest computer in the entire world. Uh, basically, this is a new Dojo chip, uh, also known as the D1 chip. And this Dojo com- supercomputer system is able to process 362 teraflops, which translates to it could process 1 trillion calculations and operations per second. And in reference, uh, the world's fastest computer currently, uh, supercomputer can only process uh, 280 teraflops, 
So that in reference is super fast. Uh, what's also amazing is that this thing is super small with 50 billion transistors on its microchip. Usually, um, you know, like microchips are in 20 billion at most. Uh, usually there are 13 billion. So this is many times, two, three times the size of most transistor chips in terms of transistors. Um, what's amazing about it is that they can replicate the single chip power into many, many layers into different server cabinets. Essentially, it's an excessive amount of force that will process so many different neural nets, uh, AI developments, and uh, just unlimited amount of information for machines to process and able to place and, you know, to place an output. Um, and this is really kind of like going into the future where I, AI isn't just a computer, but it's also a machine that can do everyday life uh, activities and uh, be actually, you know, smart. And maybe one day we'll pass the Turing test, um, which is basically, you know, being as smart as a human. So, uh, yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, what, what do you think about that, Kingston? And the implications well, for I, future. I think, um, I think, yeah, as you describe, it's an incredibly powerful um, uh, processor and uh, an incredibly powerful chip. Um, and uh, I think that the potential to use that chip in the AI robot that they've done. Um, I mean, uh, five foot eight, uh, one hundred twenty-five pounds can deadlift one hundred fifty pounds, walk at five miles per hour. It's seeming more and more uh, like a human uh, than anything which has been made before. Um, I would say, uh, thinking about the potential uh, implications, you could look at uh, this chip being used to power this robot. Um, it could be really uh, beneficial to um, el the elderly and uh, the sick, um, and in caring for them. Uh, for example, somebody who has arthritis uh, might struggle to uh, move their joints or to, uh, to, and therefore to clean because uh, they might have to bend at times or uh, kneel or uh, perform actions uh, similar to that um, with their body. And uh, with arthritis, this is incredibly painful. Um, and uh, having a robot like that could be hugely beneficial to someone with arthritis um they would uh be able to have more they wouldn't have to be worrying about the maintenance of their house the robot can cover that for them and they can just focus on uh performing less strenuous exercises to ensure that their body uh doesn't uh deteriorate but also at the same time uh doing things that they they want to do um uh and uh performing tasks that don't cause them pain um and I think uh, I don't. I'm not entirely sure that the there will ever be a robot which is re which reaches human levels of sentience <laughs> or of intelligence. But I I do think that the potential of robotics to help people in their day to day lives is tremendous. Uh, and uh, robotic assistance and. Uh, 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 in order to help the elderly or the sick um, could have the power to transform lives. Um, and, uh, and 
as we move towards a, a world where people will be living uh, for longer than ever before um, in, uh, in the West, um, and uh, the average age of uh, mortality is uh, going, going up and it doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon, um, I think that these sorts of technologies would be more and more helpful for ensuring a comfortable retirement. Um, having said all that, though, you could also, um, if it can be used to help people, then it can be used to uh, to help people in a way which hurts other people, such as, for example, um, taking people's jobs. Um, uh, I mean, this AI, this uh, AI-powered robot can deadlift 150 pounds, um, and uh, if it can carry more in the future, then you could see it used in construction, or you could see it used in uh, perhaps uh, recycling, um, or uh, perhaps for carrying the bins, or um, etc. There's so many different areas where. Uh, a physically capable robot would provide, uh, would be able to do the job that a human does, do it better, do it more efficiently and do it without being tired or taking sick, uh, sick pay or um, annual leave and all of that. They can work 24 seven essentially. Um, and that really creates a threat to people's, uh, to people's livelihoods and uh, therefore their mental health and, uh, um, so I think it's a double-edged sword, really. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's like with every technology, you know, there's always like a two-sided thing. Um, but, but I think like we can maybe like look at it in a more positive way, right? And, you know, I think like it's limited in mobility in terms of uh, doing construction, um, you know, because it's like construction is dangerous and... Uh, I, I don't know if like this AI robot would be able to like walk up and down the stairs and you know do all of that. I, I think it would be much more intelligent to do that. So, but but I think like you know for example, if we're in like a disaster situation in floods or uh, in storms, it could save people. It could also help people. I, I think it's like you know it's something that we can rely on to do. Uh, tasks that we find boring or unnecessary and you know it could also be a help to elderly for sure um but, but i think it's you know in like the very long term or maybe in a few decades uh it could potentially go in the direction of replacing basic uh labor tasks and jobs but but i think like there's always a side uh of bad and positive stuff in every single technology development, you know? So it, it's definitely a duality. Do you think there needs to be a government intervention? Uh, not now, obviously, it's nowhere near that stage yet, yeah. but potentially in the future, if it gets to the point where it could replace uh, uh, laborers, um, do you think there needs to be government legislation to ensure that doesn't happen? Or do you think that, uh, uh, prioritizing uh, profits for these companies when then those companies pay taxes and then that tax is used perhaps to create a universal 
basic income, which uh, means that rather than doing these jobs, the people are still able to enjoy the same salary, but uh, pursue their passions. Um, or I, or maybe perhaps if this job was their passion, then of course that's unlucky. But um, if it wasn't their passion, um, I mean, that's a potential way around that particular problem. Uh, but uh, yeah, as you say, it's a, it's a double-edged, it's a, it's a double-edged sword um, with technolo- with any technological advancement. I mean, the uh, the invention of the printer um, and uh, people using the printer in their homes uh, had s- serious implications for the existing ways of printing, or the invention of uh, like computers uh, uh, and uh, uh, really uh, killed the fax machine in. Uh, day-to-day use it, it, it is still used in certain contexts but the usage is far depleted or the invention of streaming um and uh so- movie and uh so- streaming of songs has really had implications for the dvd and cd industry and uh, all of that um side things i mean look at what happened to blockbusters when netflix yeah. came around um mm-hmm. so uh, I think that hap- that happens with any any new technology will have challenges um, uh, that it creates for society. Um, but uh, it's uh, I don't think we should slow technological advancement uh, in order to avoid those challenges because the potential benefits of such advancement could be enormous. I, I think there's always like a transition period. You know, there's always a period when. Uh, people are like shocked and then they get used to it and then it's kind of like part of everyday life and then people start thinking about innovating new technologies again it's kind of this cycle that has always happened in you know human history and so I think it's important to you know train people to transition from uh, labor tasks to more creative tasks and I, I think like there should be some kind of regulation in you know preserving a certain number of jobs or uh, a certain number of tasks reserved for humans uh, one to make sure that you know because robots always have room for mistakes and it's impossible to eliminate you know all mistakes and make sure that they perform perform you know, um, immaculately. So, you know, I think like on safety prospects, people should be able to retain their jobs and also on the economic and social uh, aspect, you know, people should also, you know, have jobs and stuff. So I think it's like, you know, it's a, it's kind of like a companion thing. And so like complement to what we have now, you know? Yeah. Um, I would agree as well um, that there's uh, that if it's in it, it really ties into what we were saying earlier about uh, Codex and uh, uh, Copilot. Um, I think it really uh, AI has more. I think would be better served as a companion than a competitor. Um, right. And I think if decisions are made with that in mind, I think it can only be a benefit to um, society as a whole. Yeah. Um, this week's last development and last story is about DeepMind's AlphaFold's new technology. Basically, this is a AI artificial intelligence network uh, that's developed by this Google subsidiary to predict 3D protein structures based on its amino acid sequence. 
and low-level simple uh, information about its amino acids and that are produced in labs. And this is so revolutionary because uh, it allows for pharmaceutical R&D to be shortened from the span of many years or several months to maybe just a few weeks and uh, you know a couple months of protein development and protein shaping through its algorithm and AI. Uh, and it's also very targeting in terms of what treatments could be done to a patient uh, and what kind of drugs would be the solution to a disease. Um, and this alpha fold is really, really revolutionary. Uh, of course, there's skepticism about its efficacy and its accuracy and um, how it actually works. But AlphaFold and uh, you know their DeepMind team has proven many times over the years that it's extremely effective in their research and extremely advanced in their technology and the developments as a whole. Um, so this is a revolutionary point for bio. But what's different about uh, this, you know, DeepMind's technology from Codex and uh, Dojo is that. This isn't something that would potentially replace uh, biology laboratories. Rather, it's something to accelerate their progress, and it's entirely impossible to replace uh, a molecular biology laboratory uh, because it wouldn't work or function without their research and without their uh, complementary, you know, uh, work along. So this is something that is. Uh, something that's really, really complementary and uh, revolutionary for the bio industry. What, what do you think about the developments on the, for future patients, uh, Kingston? Well, it could be used, obviously, to cure um, uh, previously uncurable diseases. Um, and I think it also could be used in conjunction with a technology known as CRISPR, which is uh, for gene editing. Um, and uh, that is in development and has been in development for almost a decade at this point. Um, these two technologies, they could be massive, massive for um, the future of, uh, of the human race, really, and our current understanding of bi biology and uh, how technology plays into that. Um, because these, cause if you're able to edit people's genes and to create designer babies, so to speak, um but if you're and if you're also able to um to cure previously uncurable diseases and genetic diseases these two capabilities together would allow people to live um almost indefinitely to live to live forever um uh or for as long as they can uh without somebody sabotaging them in some way um or without nuclear war so not technically not immortality but pretty pretty close yeah lifespans of 200 300 years potentially um we could see um and uh it sounds on the on paper like that's a good thing um but it would create serious challenges uh for the environment and our current energy consumption levels um uh, it would also create serious challenges for the economies of the world as well. And uh, uh, the massive increase in demand for, uh, for goods and services uh, without necessarily having the supply. Um, 
uh, and potential unemployment issues as well. Um, I think there would have to be a great rethink of how we operate as a global uh, society um, and uh, how we distribute resources um, and uh, also whether we whether we want to keep people alive forever or for as long as we possibly can if that means they're alive for hundreds of years and more people are being born perhaps we'll start to see um, limits on births um, imposed in order to keep up or to uh, counter significant overpopulation there are all sorts of issues that could arise from uh, these two technologies together um, but they could also be I think a good thing in that uh, it, you could, we can avoid the pain of loss um, from things uh, such as incur previously thought incurable diseases um, and uh, for anybody who's ever lost a loved one that would be something that um, uh, that is uh, extremely valuable yeah it, it is and you know i think it's like in that it you know we're kind of going into never before reached kind of ai development you know starting from machine learning with basic sensors uh you know sensing physical movements to producing physical movements to essentially almost like uh, you know, predicting results inside our human body and, you know, in, in, in bodies of, you know, other biological organisms. I think, like, that's kind of um, going deeper into the kind of uh, areas where, you know, AI ethics would be applied heavily. And I think it's good in that, you know, it could uh, more accurately predict structures and allow scientists to, uh, I guess, like spend more time on uh, focusing on the efficiency and accuracy of drugs and, you know, eliminating time from their kind of going into what the structure would look like. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's good for development, but again, it's also a question of, you know, how long, do you want people to live? I, I think it's, um, you know, something that's really interesting. Um, but it's just the beginning of what's more to come. And I think it's uh, good that we have, you know, something going on this. Do you feel it creates a potential issue with this sort of technology being developed uh, at the same time as things like climate change, global warming, um, and environmental issues? Um, like, what, what do you think about the, imp like, what, what do you mean by that? Do you say, like, are you, are you saying, like, um, that this technology could eliminate death or, like, sufferings of humanity uh, <laughs> from climate change? Uh, no, cli climate change, humans are the main cause of uh, climate change um, and yeah. global warming, humans and their actions, whether it's uh, uh, plane journeys or whether it's uh, um, their food consumption or whether it's energy, um, we're the main contributors to global warming and more humans, uh, more people 
alive at the same time uh, would mean that there are more people consuming energy, more people eating, more people uh, traveling. Uh, Do you think Uh this could be perhaps the almost like the wrong time for this sort of technology to come? I mean, I think like that's in a very long term, but right now it's like kind of like this technology is very advanced. So it wouldn't go to people who are in, you know, bad conditions and, you know, it's kind of accessible to uh, very few people once, you know, it is publicly accessible. So I, I think it's like very selective already in terms of its potential cost and, you know, the treatment and all of the complexities that go into it. So it's difficult to say like, you know, it will upend the world in overpopulation and excessiveness of the people using resources. Um, but, but I think it's like, you know, a, a potential, but, you know, I think, um, to have like a perfect egalitarian world, uh, in terms of biology, you know, biologically, it's, it's very hard to achieve. Perhaps, uh, it's a bit cynical of me, but is there not a concern <laughs> that very few people would benefit? So very few people in very few countries, um, perhaps just, uh, some of the world's largest economies would be able to implement this technology and then the rest of the world would miss out and that would create even bigger divides between countries in the world where there are some countries where people will die in their 40s or their 50s and then there are other countries where people will almost everybody would live over 100 um, because of all of the incurable diseases that are now curable yeah i mean economic inequality and it's always a problem you know i think like what we can do is like find zero to one AI technologies that could curate that. Uh, I mean, you know, solve it and cure it and, um, you know, to prevent these disparities from getting bigger and, you know, dividing people further in terms of accessibility. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, good that we have advanced AI tech but we need to also kind of figure like, what do we want to use it for? And what, you know, all the areas that we could use it for, um, not only to advance us farther into the future. Thank, thank you everybody for tuning in to listen today. Um, I've really enjoyed talking about all these topics uh, with Ludi um, and uh, they're really interesting, exciting developments happening almost every day, it seems. Uh, And uh, please tune in next week um, to see more developments in AI, uh, to catch up with the latest news, and also to have a think about what that might mean for all of our lives. And if you have any questions or comments or feedback, just don't hesitate to get in contact. Um, You can do that on the AI Daily website. Um, Thank you. See you guys in our next episode of AI Weekly. (laughs) 